How do you preach off of that, by the way? I kind of I feel like we need to give the microphone back to some of these lads. My word. Hasn't it been an amazing weekend? Seriously. And just hearing those stories is just incredible. So proud of each of you and the journey that you have taken. But the sun has been out. The sky has been blue. I was enjoying a barbecue yesterday, you know, standing next to fire. It's a great thing to do on a sunny afternoon, is it not? And uh, it's actually been a real good weekend of kind of hanging out with friends and, and having a good time. On Friday night, I was here, though, for the uh, New Day auction. I don't know whether anyone else was here or heard about it. There was a whole bunch of us who kind of gathered here to basically raise money to send our young people over to, uh, to New Day, the festival that a couple of these lads mentioned. And um, uh, I came away with two auction lots that evening. I was very pleased with myself. So the first one uh, was uh, I, I came away with a weekend in Devon. Which was, which was very exciting and uh, very well priced. Thrilled by that, Royden Lovely. And um, the second thing, though, wasn't actually my choice. And uh, there was a particular moment in the evening where um, one of the uh, items that was being auctioned was to have an afternoon with two of our young people as personal shoppers. And so what PK did, who was one of the hosts of that particular evening, was like, do you know what? I think we need to bless someone this evening. And so he kind of said to people, right, how many of you want to contribute and so that we can send one uh, very fortunate person here to go and have an afternoon as a, with a, some two personal shoppers? And uh, so many people put their hands up and there was this wave of people contributing. And then there was this pause and thought, right, who is the most needy person in the room? <laughs> Apparently that was me. Which, which which I don't know whether to be thrilled about or uh, slightly offended by, but it's all right. Don't worry, I'm looking forward to my afternoon with Abby and Owen in due course. And uh, it happens to be the case as well that in a little while there's a football match going on. You heard of that? Yeah. I love football. Well done. So do I. Now, at, um, at, uh, this afternoon, as the game kicks off, how many people think England will win against Panama? Very good. How many people think they might struggle? Maybe a loser or a draw? Only a couple of hands. That's better than the first meeting, by the way. And uh, how many people really don't give a monkeys? Yes. <laughs> well, listen, just so you know, I will be leaving fairly promptly after the meeting. So if you want to, pray to have someone to pray for you, probably best not be me today. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> this is far more important because, guys, this beautiful news that we've been sharing is beautiful for everybody. And the very word gospel, you know, means good news. And uh, through the uh, testimonies of the ladies and gentlemen that were baptized in that first meeting and through these three amazing lads... It's very easy to say that actually God is moving in people's lives. And you know what? If it is the case that you are here for the very first time today, I just need to tell you, God loves you. He is so for you. So much so that he would send his one and only son to go and die in your place and for your sin. So that all that kind of junk and thoughts and feelings and things that you might have stumbled into, all the if you like, unpleasant stuff that's been in your life, he paid for it so that you might be adopted into his family. More than that, you know, he rose to new life, and you can know him today. Is that not good news, church? Is it not good news? Let's not become passive, all right? This is the best news that you are ever going to hear. God is for you. And you know, the amazing thing is that actually this message and this gift is completely free. It's undeserved favor. It's nothing that you have earned. Instead, it's something freely poured out so that you might know the favor of God. You know, I found out, uh, and I saw an article this last week that someone sent me that to actually proves that not everybody thinks this gift is free. Okay? This was a newspaper article in, uh, in the United States. Let me read it for you. It's entitled, Florida Couple Arrested for Selling Tickets to Heaven. 
Here's how it goes. There was a couple in Florida, Tito and Amanda Watts, who were arrested a few days ago for selling golden tickets to heaven to hundreds of people. They sold the tickets on the street for $99.99 per ticket. And they told the buyers of the tickets um, they were made from solid gold and that each ticket reserved the buyer a spot in heaven. Simply present the ticket at the pearl gate and you are in. Tito Watts said in his police statement, I do not care what the police say. The tickets are solid gold. And it was Jesus who gave them to me behind the KFC. And and he told me to sell them so I could get me some money to go to outer space. (laughs) Now, my favorite line, though, was the final line of the article, which said this. Police said they confiscated over $10,000 in cash, drug paraphernalia, and a baby alligator. (laughs) Who knew? One thing is right about these guys, though. One thing is right, that we are called to share the gospel. Not as uh, alligator-carrying peddlers, but people who are joy-filled sons and daughters who have the opportunity of sharing the love of God with other people. Now, over the last few weeks of the King's Arms, we've been introducing some tools, tools that we're going to base our lives upon, tools that help us in our relationship with God and the things that he has called us to. And today I've got the opportunity and privilege to speak to you about a new tool called Enter the Adventure of Gospel Living. And so if you have a Bible right now, you can turn to Luke chapter 10. We're going to read verses uh, 10, uh, 1 excuse me, down through 9. If you don't, don't panic. It's up on the screen behind me. So it goes like this. After this... The Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. And when you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. First thing we need to see from this passage, it says consistently in these first few verses that it's the Lord, he chose those who are going to go out and share his message. We then see that it's him who's about to go to the places that they're about to visit. And it says, praise the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. And when it comes to expressing the love of God to those people around us, we need to realize that this is a sovereign work. Actually, this is a key and critical thing that we all get to play a part in. And the truth is that God is on the move. If you hadn't realized that, it only takes you a couple of minutes to listen to those testimonies, doesn't it? God is changing lives today, and we get to partner with him in the family business because he supernaturally chose you and I to be the carriers of this amazing good news. I remember when a preacher came to the king's arms some years back, and you know when someone just says a line that kind of just bites inside your stomach? And I realized that I was deeply provoked by what he said. He said this, he said, it's possible to live a busy and even fulfilled life in the church without ever making a meaningful attempt to fulfill Christ's great commission. We should so be provoked by that because actually he's called us to something. Now, I don't know whether you've ever thought about the question about whether it's possible for us to save anyone. 
Whether it's possible for us to to forgive people of all their sins and and secure their place in heaven and, and be able to walk with Jesus for the rest of their lives. The reality is that none of us can. This is a supernatural thing. The Bible says that salvation belongs to the Lord. And actually, it's him who awakens people's hearts and feels, uh, people can feel him tapping and calling them and drawing them in. I've got a, um, a friend of mine who, in the midst of this harvest field um, analogy, the story that we're hearing, he had the Lord put on his mind this picture of him walking through an orchard. And actually, the, what his responsibility was, was simply share the good news of Jesus. But as he shares, the Holy Spirit was the one who was going to come and shake those apples. So that, as it were, all of us would have the opportunity of looking out for God. What are you doing? And what is it that you're calling me to do by way of reaching other people? Oh, another guy I read about this week said it like this. He said, don't try to make waves. Surfing is easier and way more fun, which I kind of liked. And so anyone who's been coming to uh, the King's Arms over the last few weeks will have heard about these Tsunami of Love coins that we've kind of given liberally right the way across the church. And there is one that's underneath your bottom right now. And uh, you can find it, you can get it, but this coin that you're going to pick up, it's not for you. Actually, this is your opportunity to partner with us and with God to be able to bless somebody else that God has called you to. And so uh, I'm going to share one or two stories right the way through the message about how different people across the church are using these coins. But it's beautiful to know that actually it's God's kindness that leads people to repentance. And the reason that we can love and the reason that we share God's hope with people, the Bible says, is because he first loved us. Wow. The pressure's off. God's on the move. The valve has been released. We just get to be part of the family business. You know, Theo Wilcox gave me an article uh, a week or so ago, with uh, several identifying factors from a study all about how kindness actually helps us. Let me read you one or two. The first one, and uh, this is a study from uh, a, a guy called Alan Lux, who uh, was in, in New York, and he said that acts of kindness release the body's natural painkillers, the endorphins. He said that the feeling of euphoria and subsequent peacefulness after performing an act of kindness is so common that it's actually called the helper's high. He said that helping others can minimize the effects of disease and other physical disorders. And I'm not going to read them all, but let me just tell you one more. The fifth one is the health benefits and sense of calm from an act of kindness return for hours or even days after the event, whatever the act of ki- whenever the act of kindness is remembered. Isn't that amazing? Who would have thought that us doing kind deeds and acts all over the place is actually benefiting us at the same time? Well, you'll be pleased to know that Jesus did. <laughs> actually, he even said that it was better for us to give than to receive, Acts 20, 35. Now, I've been chatting to people all over the church about what's going on with these coins, and guys, I'm loving hearing the stories. Thank you so much for those of you who've kind of sent me in, and, and even little things that are going on. It's just brilliant. It kind of stirs my heart. And there was um, a, a week or so ago, though, me and my family went off to have dinner with a, a, a three girls who, who live in the church. Live in the church? They're part of the church. Live in a flat. You'll be pleased to know. And um, we went over there, we had dinner, and they were similarly just saying, like lots of people have, do you know, I'm loving this Tsunami of Love coin thing. And isn't it great hearing the stories and seeing what everybody is doing? And I was like, yeah, isn't it fun? It's like, oh, have you managed to give one away yet? And they kind of paused and thought, well, no, we haven't, but we're excited to do so, and we've still got our coin, and we're looking already. And do you know what? I would say, that's brilliant. I'm really thrilled that people are really wanting, wanting to use them. But I also think that there needs to be a degree of intentionality with us. And so I don't know whether you would relate to how the girls were saying, be like, it's a brilliant idea. I'm thrilled about what the church is, is doing and behind, and there are other people doing that stuff. But do you know what? This is a game that everyone gets to play, partnering with the Holy Spirit and enjoying where he calls us to go and bless somebody else. 
Let me tell you one story that I got this last week. Um, it was by a gentleman called Russ who's in the church. And he said this. He said he's been teaching life skills to long-term unemployed adults for the last six weeks. And it's been the most hopeless atmosphere he's ever experienced. A few, a few recently told me that I was the only person in their lives who spoke good things over them. So I wanted to make an effort to call out the gold in them. Today is the last day of the course. So I got them all Krispy Kreme donuts, something they could never normally afford. And I gave them... I gave them sneaky words of encouragement too, written on the back of postcards alongside the donuts. They genuinely didn't know how to receive it, but they said I was the most uh, non-tutor-like tutor ever. <laughs> Which I thought was good. <laughs> Amazed by the encouragement on their cards. And then one student spoke of a sharp pain in his chest. And I thought, God, are you serious? The cards were scary enough, but I told him that I believe that God heals today. I told a story of me being healed and I offered to pray. He accepted, and when I prayed, the pain went from a 7 out of 10 to a 0 out of 10. I dismissed the class at this point, but he stayed behind to ask me how he could get involved in the supernatural. I found a church plant in the town. He took a note of the details, and I recommended their alpha course. That's the last time I'll see them, but my goodness, what a way to finish my job. Isn't that amazing? I love it. God is on the move, and there are stories of people just obediently loving other people. Some people, you know, might see this as tokenism. They might see it as small acts, but you know what? I choose to believe this is as partnering with God and trusting him with the results of every ripple that will go beyond us. See, God is on the move, and that excites me, and it really should excite you. So the second thing that we need to know from this passage is that obedience is success. You see, he told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, and therefore to send out the workers into the harvest field. Now what you see in this passage is that as people go and carry this message of joy and of hope and of who Jesus is, some of them have a great time, and some of them not so much. Some of them actually hit uh, difficult circumstances. But the important thing, and where I believe God is celebrating, is in the very fact of going. You see, Jesus, I believe, cares more about your obedience than he does about the outcomes. Only God can bring someone to himself. I loved Mike Pilavachi's definition of evangelism where he said, I can't make someone fall in love with Jesus, but I can set up a first date. And you know, for me, I've loved the courage and I've loved the obedience that people have taken when it comes to loving people with these coins. And so, uh, but they've not always been straightforward. There was one particular lady in my uh, group where she'd gone into a uh, charity shop and her desire was that she, she wanted to bless the staff of the charity shop. And she bought this big bouquet of flowers and wanted to take it in to bless the staff. She was super nervous. You know, what are they going to say? How is it going to be? Is it going to feel awkward? Her desire was to get in, give the flowers away, and then run off, right? So anyway, she walks in. And uh, she, she goes to the, to the lady who's at the uh, checkout there. And she just says, oh, I bought these flowers. Just wanted to say thank you so much for all you do in kind of serving the town or whatever words are used. And um, kind of gave them the coin at the same time. And she said, wow, that's amazing. But wait here. I need to go and get my manager. So she awkwardly kind of pauses and kind of waits and thinks, I really want to go now. But uh, she, she goes out and uh, gets the manager, brings him back. And the manager is overwhelmed. Says, you need to stay here. I need to go and get all the staff from who are around the back. They never get thanked. And so again, she disappeared. And there's this whole group of people. And she's awkward thinking, I just wanted to go. <laughs> but I love it. I love it. It might feel awkward, but what a brilliant way of blessing people. I was um, out for uh, ice cream with my wife a few weeks back. And um, 
we were kind of sat just kind of eating away, and there was a, a lady who came in, ordered her ice cream, and then went into the bathroom. And so I was thinking, right, this is a sneaky ninja opportunity, where I can get myself to the uh, checkout, or, you know, where you can purchase them, and uh, I'll pay for her ice cream, leave a coin, and then go back and just, you know, watch on by as I kind of eat my vanilla scoops. Now, um, the problem was, you see, is that they didn't accept a card at this particular time. The machine wasn't working. And so I jumped up, actually went into the bathroom, pushed my way past Philippa, went up to the checkout, and um, uh, was like, right, how, how much is that lady's ice cream and drink? And uh, they were, oh, it was £7.50. I was like, oh, okay, no problem. So I got my wallet out and started counting out the coins. I had £7.25. <laughs> and so I was like, all right, I'm just going to put these back and went to sit down. <laughs> and as she came back, I was like, this is a huge tsunami of love fail, by the way. <laughs> I had one lady who was in my group who... Um, she said that she'd bought a, um, a driving lesson for someone who's just started leaving to, uh, learning to drive. She wrote a note of encouragement, put the coin inside, and then as she watched them open it, she was at some distance, the coin fell out. And so she said to me, Steve, I'm so sorry I didn't give a coin away. And do you know what? I don't care. I just thought it was brilliant. The, the key bit is that actually she's blessing someone and she's extending the kingdom and she's using what God has put on uh, her heart to love other people. I heard of one guy who, um, bless him, twice in one day, offered to pay for food and even a night uh, for a guy who was out, out on the street and on both occasions was sworn at and told that they didn't want it. <laughs> you know, in these moments, in these moments, we've got to remind ourselves that it's the obedience which is key. It's the desire in our hearts and the realization that actually God sees and celebrates it all. And that's the thing that's critical. Now, the next thing we see in this passage is that we need to show courage. It says, go, because I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. I'm not sure that sounds very fun, right? Lambs among wolves, this sounds complicated. And I'm thinking that we're going to need to have courage to be able to live out the things that he has called us to. There are some remarkably courageous people in this church. I don't know whether you've been around this place any length of time, but it was only a year or so ago when I heard the story of Marco and some of his friends going over to a, a, watch a, a movie, which was actually about God in Milton Keynes. And someone had challenged him and was like, hey, you know, what would it, what would it be like if you kind of stood up right at the start and basically said that, you know, look, this movie's about God and I'm happy to talk to you about it. That would have freaked me out. Marco did it. So he, um, right at the start of the movie, there's a window between the trailers finishing there's a, you'll know, a kind of black screen moment when the curtains are drawn and that kind of thing. And in that moment, Marco stood up, turned around to the whole cinema and was like, this movie is actually about God. And if anyone wants to talk to me about it afterwards, I'd love the opportunity of chatting to you and maybe even praying for you. And then he sat down and felt, he said to me, I felt the most awkward he think he has in his, in his whole life. And the whole thing actually is slower than you might think. So he'd done it really quickly and then kind of sat down and he was like, oh, my words swallow me up. But you know what's amazing? is at the end of the movie, he approached a lady and they got chatting about what she had seen and she got the opportunity of leading her to Jesus. Isn't that remarkable? And it's a courageous step. We can celebrate that. We can celebrate courage. Of course we can. I was with them. I was with a friend of mine called Josh not so long ago, last year, and uh, Josh had felt that particular afternoon when we were out in the street, just looking to see what God wanted to do, that he needed to buy a hazelnut latte, because there was going to be someone that he was going to get to, uh, and there was going to be their favorite drink. So he bought this kind of giant hazelnut latte and um, went around town being like, hey, is your, is your favorite drink a hazelnut latte? No. Oh, don't like coffee. Awkward. All right. Let's try over here. And literally, he tried four or five different people. No one seemed to like coffee. It's like, this is the strangest thing. Bedford loves coffee. Anyway, and we realized that the coffee was getting cold. 
And so he went literally right in the center of town. We know that crossroads is just outside of Marks and Spencer's. Stood right in the middle, held the coffee up, and then at the top of his lungs started shouting, does anybody love hazelnut lattes? <laughs> like, I was so much watching back filming it. <laughs> it was hilarious. And I'm thinking to myself, like, this, this is crazy, but what courage. Anyway, he's there for an uncomfortable amount of time. I don't know, 30, 35 seconds. It felt like days. <laughs> but he's there. And then one young man, I think somewhat out of sympathy, <laughs> comes up to him and says, sure, I'll have the drink. Slightly confused. Anyway, the guy did, had never tried a hazelnut latte before. But the amazing thing for me is we still got to chat to him. We still got to speak about the fact that God you know, knows him and loves him and got to pray with this guy. And it was all about Josh's courage. And you know what? That's an amazing thing, isn't it? The thing is, if we're going to be people of courage, though, you need to work out what does courage look like for you. I don't, I don't want you to be like Mark. I don't want you to be like Josh. I don't want you to be like me. I want you to be like Jesus. And I want you to be the best version of you that he's called you to be. And I want to tell you that my, um, my wife, I feel so proud of right now. So she would not call herself an evangelist. If anything, she would say to her that the whole idea of, of connecting with people outside the church to have a, a deep conversation about spiritual matters, she would withdraw from and think that was very uncomfortable. But let me tell you that she's grabbed hold of this coin thing in a way that I love. And so it was um, only a week or two ago when she uh, would, was praying first thing in the morning and she was like, okay, God, I'd love the opportunity to, to give something away. And she'd noticed that we have a paddling pool that's just brand new, boxed up and completely spare. We bought two at the time because of a special offer. Anyway, so she goes to, she goes to um, uh, school that day and uh, she's, she's dropping off my son. He's called James, he's five. And uh, at the school gate, there's a gentleman who just happens to say, oh, do you know what? It's really warm right now, but everywhere seems to have sold out of paddling pools. Philippa's like, ding, 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 gets herself home, grabs the Tsunami of Love coin, she grabs hold of the um, paddling pool and charges off to this guy's house where she hands it to him. And he's like, what, can I, can I give you some money? Why are you doing this? Like, no, 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 no. Hey, listen, we're just doing 10,000 acts of kindness. We want you to, be, to bless you. And if you want to, you can do it again. It was only a few days ago when I came back from work and um, I was like, oh, hey, Lexi, that's my daughter. You know, what have you been doing with mom? And she's like, oh, we've been baking brownies. There's some left. Great. And I said, well, why have you been baking brownies? was because of the fact that she'd been baking them to go and deliver to a family just three or four doors down the road that she's happened to see and now is connecting with. And it's just a, an opportunity to connect. And then it was at um, Lexi's preschool where she had a, a lady just put on her heart and um, she decided that she was going to write a note of encouragement and just put some money in the, the amount that God you know, told her to do, money in the envelope alongside a tsunami of love coin. Now she knew that some of the people there who worked there were Christians. And so as she handed the envelope to them, because she didn't want to be part of the direct gift, as it were, she handed it to them and just said, oh, look, you know, this is, this is completely for her. Don't, you don't need to tell them it's from me or anything. The following day, this lady kind of bounced up to her and uh, she said, oh, I, I gave um, the lady who you wanted to give the envelope to, I gave it to her. She was blown away. She said she got out the card. She read the encouragement. She, she looked at the money and she was just overwhelmed. And she just kept saying, how did they know? How did they know? How did they know? I believe that God's moving. And I believe that actually it's these courageous steps that actually are going to help us to engage with that. C.S. Lewis said that good and evil uh, both increase at compound interest. That is why the little decisions that you and I make every day are of such infinite importance. And you know what? I'm not sharing you those stories about Philippa to, to either big her up, and I'm not saying it to steal any reward in heaven, only to encourage us that actually simple acts of kindness make a massive difference. The next thing that we see in this passage in verses 5 and 6 is that we see what we call people of peace. 
When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. And if someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Now, last year we had a neighbor move in next door to us. And uh, we were thinking to ourselves, right, we really want to have the very best relationship with our brand new neighbors. What does that look like? And so we'd, uh, we'd written out a card to say how much we were looking forward to getting to know them. And we'd bought them some chocolates and gave them a voucher so they can get a takeout, thinking that was a nice thing to do. And they seemed really lovely and they're really pleased. It was the following day when I'm uh, in my lounge just watching the television and then suddenly hear this crack. I'm like, what on earth was that? Look outside and he's just driven his removal van into the back of my car. <laughs> Awkward. Now, how many of you know that in the midst of wanting to build a relationship with someone, the, the, the decisions that you're going to make right now are very critical. So he's, he's got his kind of head down, walking up the driveway, and I'm thinking, what am I going to do? And I just had one of those moments where I thought, maybe this is just a crunch time. <laughs> Sorry, that wasn't intentional either. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Maybe this is a key moment in our relationship. And so I, I kind of went out and said, mate, it's fine. It could have happened to any of us. I tell you, I was the best neighbor you could have ever hoped for in that moment. And uh, anyway, listen, since then, though, over the last year or so, we've so got to know these guys. We, we, we've grown fun with, fun with them. We've had barbecues together. They've been over for dinner. We've played games. We've, they've brought us gifts. And, and you know, even last week, or the week before, excuse me, I decided that I was going to uh, mow their lawn and cut their hedges. And, and they were just blown away. And they were like, aha, yes, all right, and we're going to do this for someone else as well. We accept your challenge. But it's just recognizing there are people of peace in our lives that we can embrace and that we can look to and that we can love on. There's a guy called Bob Goff who says this. He says, there's no school to learn how to love your neighbor, just the house next door. No one expects us to love them flawlessly, but we can love them fearlessly, ferociously, and unreasonably. I love that. What does it look like for you to love on the person who's next door? Ask God. And you know what? Proximity is key. I remember um, Phil Kempsell telling me uh, Alpha last time, he brought a friend along with him. Alpha is an introductory course to Christianity where people want to come and ask big questions of faith. And uh, I said to me, I know, how did it turn out that you had the conversation to come? And he said it was the strangest thing. He just turned to me on one occasion and he said, look, do you know of some place that I can ask questions about God? (laughs) Thinking if that's not an open goal, I don't know what is. (laughs) Proximity, connecting with people of peace. The next thing is that we need to expect God's power And we need to persevere. It says, when you enter a town or are welcomed, eat what is offered to you and heal the sick. But there's also an encouragement to stay, which means we need to remain, to persevere. Some of you might know that we now have a healing cafe in the Costa Coffee Shop in town. It's amazing. There's a bunch of us who spend a couple of hours there on a Friday afternoon, and we just see what God's up to. But a week last Friday, so around about nine days ago, we were there in Costa, and... um, we were looking out for, right, God, who, who is it that you might want to bring? What are we going to pray for about? We're you know, getting ready. And to be honest with you, the first hour or so was actually pretty quiet. I spent more time talking to the team and to the staff than I did doing anything by way of ministry, which is fine, but it's kind of like, you know, when is this going to kick off? Anyway, one of the guys is named Tim. And Tim thought to himself, I'm going to go outside. So he went out onto the street, and uh, he was just waiting for an opportunity to, to invite somebody in to connect with them. And there was a lady who walked up to him, visibly hobbling, alongside a friend of hers. And says, so like, hey, look, you know, we're actually offering to, to pray for people inside Costa. Why don't you come and have a drink with us? Come and meet some of the team. And so they, they came in, sat down, and my friends Claire and Tim just sat with them for a little while. And um, both of them explained that they did have pain in their bodies. And so first thing is that they prayed for uh, the lady's left hip 
And uh, to be honest, she wasn't exactly full of faith. She wasn't a believer. And she said, I, I just don't know whether this thing is going to work. But Claire shared stories of how Jesus healed people as they've been ministering in that setting. And then they prayed for this left hip. First, there was no change. We need to learn to persevere. Second, there was a small change that she mentioned. Third time, there was a significant change and the whole demeanor um, transitioned. She then said, well, look, if it's happened to my left hip, why don't you get them to pray for your back? And she said, oh, no, no, that's not going to work because I've had years of back pain. Uh, then she, she, though, even though she doubted, they said, oh, you know, okay, well, you can pray. Tim encouraged her about a back healing that she'd seen, they'd seen. And she mentioned that she'd had absolutely years and there's nothing much that they can do. But then as she stood, suddenly she interrupted herself. And she said, I'm not joking. My back just clicked and there is absolutely no pain. It is gone. <laughs> Instantly, all the pain had gone and they were shocked. And she told us that she had been living constantly in pain. Now at this point, Claire was very brave. Because then they were like, well, why don't you we pray for your other hip? We prayed for your left, now let's pray for your right. And so Claire said, well, you know, why don't you pray for each other? You guys are friends, right? And then in that moment, she was willing. And so she prayed this beautiful, simple prayer that said, Jesus, please help my friend and take her pain away. Amen. And instantly, the pain left her left hip. There's more. There's more. The, the ladies said to one another, well, given, given that my hips and your back have gone, why don't you let them pray for your knee? I don't know how many things there were going on, but then we prayed for the knee. They prayed for the knee, and similarly, there was a, a clicking, and instantly all the pain left, and they were totally shocked. Isn't that amazing? It would have been so easy, you know, for us to just disconnect, just for us to think, oh, today's not the day. I'm not going to persevere. I'm not going to look out. I'm not going to press into what God's done. And they got the opportunity of speaking about Jesus and forgiveness and so many other wonderful things. God is on the move. Let me tell you the first thing, last thing. Verse 9 says, Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. See, we have the opportunity, church, of leading people to Jesus. Ultimately, when it comes to seeing his kingdom, I want people to be introduced to the king. I want each and every single one of us here to know personally the call that has been put on our lives to be able to rejoice and embrace who he is. There's a guy called Cliff Netchel who says, A person coming to Christ is like a chain with many links. There's the first link, middle links, and a last link. I know the joy of being the first link at times, the middle link usually, and occasionally the last link. But God has not called me to only be the last link. He's called me to be faithful and to love all people. Any step closer to God that we leave people actually is an incredible thing. And sometimes that's as simple as a smile or an encouragement or actually showing people hope in a situation that they're in. I'll tell you one final story. And there's a lady in this church called Michelle. And uh, she came to me and uh, she said, I oh, like Steve, I've, I've done a couple of those tsunami things. Like, do, you, do you want me to tell you about it? I was like, yes, I, I really do want to know what's happening. If you, if you do anything, do, do feel free to you know, let us know. Drop us an email or something. And, uh, but she said to me, Look, it's, it's, it's very simple. I was like, okay, that's fine. And uh, she'd been in the BP garage up the road, you know, down there, the A421. And uh, she got a phone call while she was in there, kind of stood alongside the counter. And she just said that she had been in shock because of what was going on in the phone call. It wasn't a negative thing. She was just surprised by the call that she had. And so she stood there for a moment quite bewildered. And uh, the lady who was behind the counter just said to her, hey, are you doing okay? Is everything all right? Is there anything I can do to help? And she just gently showed her love in that moment. And so when my friend Michelle went back into her car, she said, I, I, I want one of those tsunami of love things. 
And so she found, <laughs> she found the birthday card. And she scribbled out the birthday word. <laughs> and and she, she wrote in it a little bit of encouragement just to say, I was so grateful for the way that you loved on me just now. Just wanted to encourage you that you're doing a brilliant job. And left a coin inside the card, gave it to the lady. Now, she also left her phone number in it. And sure enough, a little while later, she got a text message to say, I was so blown away by your card. What a beautiful thing to encourage me. Thank you so much. Anyway, it turns out they've been texting most days since. More than that, she said, look, let me do this tsunami of love thing properly. Let me take you out for dinner. So they've since met on several occasions. They've, they've done dinner together. And now she's interested in coming along to King's Arms. Isn't that amazing? Do you know, the point of your life is not to give out tsunami of love coins. The point of your life is not religion. The point of your life is not even Christianity. The point of your life is, is not mission and it's not prayer. It's not evangelism and it's not social justice. It's not worship leading or church planting. But if you love Jesus, you will do all that stuff. You'll pray and you'll worship, you'll go to church and you'll preach the gospel. But the point of life is knowing him. It's knowing him. And he's right there, eager to know you.